Feeling tired at the gaming table? Want to hear foul-mouthed jackasses poke fun at gaming companies when they screw up? Want an honest, street-level opinion from a team of gamers that call it like it is? Then Blunt Force Gamers may be the podcast for you. Listener discretion advised. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and gamers of all ages, it's been a week, I know, a long, horrible week without our voices, but here we are, we're back at the microphones, and kind of back on schedule, uh, close enough, uh, yeah, our close enough person over here, he's got the ring on now, last week we took the break off because that was the wedding day, and Darth Blasphemous is now Sir Lord Pussy Whipped. Uh, <laughs> not a chance. Not a chance. But he is officially married now, and as I was his best man to my chagrin, I was fucking exhausted when all was said and done, so I took last week off myself because, shit, I needed a day to recover. I hope you enjoyed our previous episodes where um, you got to hear the most extreme communist LARP ever. That episode, of course, was our April Fool's episode. As inspired by the moniker who decided it would be fucking hilarious to play the Jim Jones death tapes for an April Fool's episode. Yes, I did that. Stop looking at me like that, Blasphemous. It was a bad idea, but it was also hilarious, and we did it, now we don't have to do it again. And of course, the other episode inspired by Kazrakan to just talk about Final Fantasy card game stuff, so yeah, it was kind of filler there, but we're back. And Kazrakan is back with me. Blasphemous is back with me. Hail to the dark side. There he is, right there. <laughs> I, 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 you said on the way in that you had a special word you wanted to say as our intro? Oh, yeah. Um, fuck Winnie the Flu. Okay, fuck Winnie the Flu. So let's get into uh, gaming topics, because we have gone, or I've gone, long enough on our intro here. And Kazarkan has come up with something clever, unique, enticing, exciting, and otherwise totally boring and banal. <laughs> so like all of our topics. I am, of course, the maestro of malevolence, so I have to give you an introduction that is sardonically sarcastic. Of course. Of course. <laughs> Nobody would be the, the Lord Dragon but me. Yeah, well, good with that. Let's, let's, let's get with your verbose vernacular now. Come on, <laughs> let's do this. So, the idea of PvP in D&D. Now, we're going to preface this by saying we don't encourage this, but I got to s sort of thinking, what? how do we encourage DMs to deal with players that want to? And we're talking creative alternatives to... or for competition for your players. So, we're clarifying here, it is us as GMs... Not encouraging PvP to take place, but dealing with those who are encouraging themselves. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep. Yeah, let's yep. do it. Yeah, PvP is an issue because although there are obviously rules for it in some systems, uh, in the vast majority of the time, it's not encouraged because the players are... Well, they're the main characters of the story. They're going to be a little OP. I've always seen PvP as a dick-waving contest uh, since I started. You get, Or, it, well, 
it is a dick waving contest, regardless. Because you know, people are like, "Oh, I've got you know, all this super badass gear, and I can totally smoke anybody, even my own party members." And then you have the other side of the coin, which is, "I'm pissed at you, and since I can't hit you in real life, I'm going to take it out on your character sheet." Not encouraging you violence. Took the last burrito. I'm gonna totally fucking kill Starlight. You're, you're you're such a dick. You always you know like railroad other people when it's their turn and tell them how to play their character. You know what? I'm just gonna fucking beat the shit out of your character now. Man, you were like three minutes late into my monologue, and I had to start all over again, explaining why I am the most special snowflake ever. So now I'm gonna fuck up your character sheet. If you ever interrupt me during my turn again. I will hit you so hard it will be felt in your backstory. <laughs> like, I've seen some shit. There's been times, like, we've had PvP breakout because of cursed items. I did not encourage that. No, it happened. We had an intervention. <laughs> that was... We tried to get that cursed item away from him. It didn't work. And then one of the party went splat on the wall. They became stucco. And yes, if you had been hit for one more hit point of damage, you would have lived. Which is, it's such a bizarre thing to me that I'm just sort of looking back on it and like, amused. It's by the rules. It was by the rules, and it absolutely was legit. The right. downside of this was that I had to make a new character on the spot. <laughs> well, since you uh, have decided to come up with this week's topic, and I am inadequately and woefully unprepared for... Anything. Uh, ...human discourse at the moment... Valid. Uh, give us an example how you would deal with uh, PvP at your table, not encouraging it, but a clever route you would take. So at the core of it, PvP is competition, right? It's, it, Like you said, it's a dick-waving contest. It's a contest. So the like some of the thoughts that I was thinking on were like proposing alternate methods, alternate score methods that you could accomplish this without actually having characters come to blows with each other. Things like eating contests, eating things like basically a mini-game to take their mind off it and channel it in a direction that... Bucket, bust out Red Dragon in and just say, alright, you guys are in a tavern drinking competition, let's go. Bartender looks about four levels higher than you and he really doesn't like having to replace furniture, so he tells you you're either going to drink up, gamble out, or you're going to get the shit beat out of you. Yeah, I mean, that would be a pretty valid option. Um, and then, you know, your aggressive party will get to feel like they won something and not feel like they're ruining things or crashing friendships or destroying campaigns or any number of other things that happen from PvP in these types of games. I've only PvP'd one time, and that was because I was hired to kill the other character. I mean, yeah. Character, I, I am. I, yeah, I, I realize that look on your face. Yes, the the character I was hired to kill. Okay, not the player. <laughs> Despite there, there was some grievances at the time, and if if I could have gotten away with it, I probably and whoever was contracting me to kill the character probably would have said, "Yeah, kill the person too, please." But yeah, that was a whole ball of fucking whack shit it was horrible but yeah i did pvp one time but that was because i was playing an unhinged psychopath to begin with and that person was seen as bad for the uh, vampire council that was ruling the city and they were like yeah kill that person over there and i'm like got cash i'm unhinged of course i'm gonna fucking assassinate another player character i don't see that the blue pc aura around them that gives them protection from everything else 
It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. Hell, it didn't exist for me. I, I got into fights with that character constantly with everybody. It didn't matter. Uh, that's the only time I've actually like gone out of my way to PvP. Um, however, when we're talking about PvP at the table, and of course we put out some examples, you know, people being dicks, and Blasphemous mm. over here has, has plenty of examples. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, I, w I would think that I would try my best as a GM to turn it into a friendly rivalry rather than an aggressive rivalry. I would do what I can. If I can find a, a, an opening in that doorway to stick my foot in, I would put my foot right up both player characters' asses and be like, okay, you're Gimli, you're Legolas, there's the monsters. Go have a kill count battle. Go have a kill count battle. Or who can steal the other person's kills? Oh, kill stealing though might encourage more PvP. Yeah, I think kill stealing is is a fine line, and I've I've seen PvP rivalries start from it. Like last shot, last shot is a nasty mechanic. Last shot is a nasty mechanic, or like it's it's one thing when it's used collaboratively. Yeah. When like, it's used collaboratively, like a guy goes in and he like fucking hits the monster, but it's still standing, and like you know the guy who's crunching all the numbers behind his character sheet is like okay. One or two I am more. predicting he has at least three to five hit points left. Take him down. We don't want this fight to go on. And somebody else comes in and fucking jabs. Totally fine. You're acting cooperatively, but it, that's the point. The big <laughs> guy sees the monster as like a personal challenge, and he's taking it on. And then suddenly, like the rogue walks in and just hee -hee, sneak attack. After you know, like especially like after rounds and rounds and rounds of trying to take something down. Yeah, kill stealing can piss somebody off real quick. Real quick. And it's like, it's exactly that sort of thing, right? Cooperative players will set up combos for other players. Kill stealers and PvP environment, that just aggravates everybody. Yeah, that's a lot of the, the shit that I was trying to pull in our Starfinder game with uh, Big D. Right? Bodyguard. Go rent Big D now to take care of all your Big D needs. Yes. Right. But, yeah, like, Big D, like, me and him, we're bouncing off each other because we're both celebrities, mm -hmm. right? And he's a celebrity bodyguard, so he's running around poorly guarding Whitney Houston. Who <laughs> is just running around batshit crazy and fisticuffsing things. No, no, no. I'm, I'm just making a very bad reference here. <laughs> God, that movie sucked. Uh and then, of course, I'm playing the uh, internet celebrity and bouncing all over shit. But I would be like, hey, Big D, uh, can I bounce off your left leg? And he'd be like, sure, go for it. And then I'd go in for, like, an elbow drop, like, fucking WWF kind of shit in space. So we were playing off of each other. We weren't kill-stealing or anything like that. But if Big D ran up and he saw an enemy and he was just, like, straight-out adamant. This um, one's mine. This one's mine. I would leave it alone. Right? It's just the way I am. This is this is a this is an example of a more I'm gonna call it more healthy rivalry because well, like even then like you have a a level of respect like that minimum bar is like okay I'm not gonna get in your way on this one but when I call for one later you got to do the same our rivalry was more like who could get more time in front of the camera during combat yeah <laughs> so that was the way your two rivalry went and it worked out nicely because it was just it was comedic in its competition almost. It was, yeah, because he's trying to advertise you know, his bodyguard servicing while beating uh, down the bad guys, and I'm taking selfies. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, so I take a selfie with Big D in the background, I'm like, look how small he really is. 
XO, XO, kiss, kiss, kiss. Love to my fans. Click. Yeah. So, yeah, we had we had fun with that, but we never really PvP'd, and I really didn't want to PvP with the rest of the group, even if I did know the system. Yeah, and it's like you've been saying, like as a GM, it's your job to try and guide that energy into a way that's not going to tear apart your campaign, the player group, or friendships that evolved from or bef- from before or after the D and D group campaign. Although. Um, and Blasphemous might actually agree with me on this one, because he's got Silver Age Sentinels sitting right in front of him, so he's got inspiration. Uh, superhero games tend to fall out of the norms because you're not scripted into a specific role. You're not the party healer, you're not the party tank, you're not the party... Wizard. Uh, wizard, you're not the Swiss Army Knife. You're a superhero first, and then you join the team. And as we all know, in superhero uh, fantasy... When two heroes meet each other, especially for the first time when they're both rookies, they tend to think the other guy is a costumed villain. Mm-hmm. Do you think that is an acceptable form of PvP over there, Mr. Blasphemous? Well, I mean, that's definitely one thing I was going to try and get around to, is when it comes to the different genres. Because in a more of a D&D modern, wouldn't really work, unless you've got like the hand-to-hand combat guys, but you start just shooting pew-pews at people. It's a bad time. You're going to have a bad time. Yeah. But, like, superhero yeah. stuff, I mean, I could kind of see it where it's like a, well, you know, this guy says he's got unlimited strength, and this guy says he's got super strength. Which one is it? You know, someone comes along and say, you've got to try out for the superhero league. Well, how else are you going to do tryouts other than do some shit? Yeah. You know? A topic so exciting, he yawns while he talks. Right. Ah, surprisingly, I've only been up since 11. Well, that's a... Well, I don't blame you for yawning and talking about superheroes. It has been well over a decade of the fucking spandex uh, Cub Scouts. It's time for something new. Yeah, some kind of change in the whole deal. What we need is Space Westerns to come back. No. Fuck. Yes. I know the one you're talking about. Okay. No, I'm not talking about that one. That one is just overly fucking glorified. I'm not even going to mention it by name. The only thing I say about that show is I'm glad spray around it. it was a washout. Mm. Yeah. It, it's way overhyped. Going back and looking at it, it was overhyped. Super overhyped. But a good Space Western would be nice right about now. Yeah. Some sort of, you know, look at the Horizon Exploration genre to hit uh, the mainstream would be nice right now. Yeah, yeah, but... Rather than count on one person to be better than everybody else and take care of all the problems. Speaking of which... <clears throat> And I, I'm going to fi- try to find a way to, to roll this into a PvP environment, I guess, if I was playing at the same table. Yes, I would PvP them, then tear their character sheet up. But Captain Marvel is coming back as Captain Marvel the Jedi. Yeah, let that what? sink in. Apparently, she's going to be more powerful than Luke Skywalker, Darth Vader, Rey, and Palpatine all combined. So basically, it's Carol Danvers with a fucking lightsaber. What the fuck? So much for those rumors about Favreau taking over. Well, all I can say about that is obviously they're PvPing in a different method than we are. And you know what? I'm actually going to segue this. I'm going to segue this back into our topic. I'm going to be a good goblin for a change. And when you get that one player, and usually the person who instigates PvP, because the topic is Kazrakan started out over here, is it's usually people are encouraging themselves to PvP. And this is the type of, I dare say, and it's an overused word, I dare say this is the type of toxic behavior 
that I would expect from somebody who's a power gamer with an overpowered Here. character and way too much ego. This hmm. radioactive. <clears throat> ah, yes. Because it, it only can do so much on its own, but when it reaches a critical mass, that radioactivity becomes an explosion of badness. Baggery. Yeah, well, these people yeah, don't... I like that term. Th- these people need the PvP because there's something missing in their life. You could say they have a half-life. <laughs> they're that not is constant. It, it is constant. They they're, they're missing something, so they need to get you know. Yeah, they're radioactive people. Good. That's a good replacement. We are no I longer like going to use toxic. We're going to use radioactive for these people because you can detect them. Yeah, there, there are phrases and things you can say to them and watch their response, and you know because whenever you start talking about your own character, they start talking about how their character is way better. Yeah, it's, it's, it's one of the signs of power gamer. Yeah, it, it's nuclear yeah. winter. That's what they are. Yeah, yeah. But but it's one of those things with uh, within how to run it, like superhero stuff. I can kind of see where they have a little sparring match, kind of try each other out, see if you can fly, see if you can swim, whatever. And but um, there comes a point where PvP is really just people getting bored of the game, and you need to nip that in the butt and go, all right. Y'all just want to PvP all the time now because you feel like the world isn't strong enough for you. Here's Cthulhu and Power Armor. That is also by true. by Haster with a fucking punt gun. That That is actually true. Blasphemous did just... Yeah, that's a good point. People do get bored at the table and they'll start PvPing. Yeah. And yeah. That, that, that would be my fault as a GM if they start PvPing each other because they do get bored. But you mentioned the cursed item. That was... Not people being bored. If they just started like, oh, I'm going to go beat up on Kazarkan's character, you know, and, and start something. Yeah, it was like in the way that the PvP evolved out in the event where I lost the character, it evolved so for story reasons, namely the cursed item and the intervention that followed thereafter. Absolutely. But yeah, if people but, get bored, that's the fault of the Game Master. That would land totally on my shoulders if two people just start beating the crap out of each other in a tavern because there's nothing else that they feel they can do. Exactly. And, you know, Blasphemous used the word spar, which is a very important distinction. A spar has limits. You typically mm-hmm. don't kill each other in a spar unless you have it's a necromancer. It's non-lethal damage. It's, it's typically non-lethal damage. It's typically basically feats of metal or, you know, combat training, but not intended to outright murder fest, which is what PvP devolves into. And you really got to nip it in the butt when people are like, oh, well, we'll totally have a full-on fight. Do you have blunted weapons? Where's your blunted weapons? You got to go pay to rent those. They get broken rather easily. Oh, no, I'll just hit him with the flat of my sword. I'm like, do you have any idea how hard it is to swing a sword to hit him with that? Right. They're aerodynamically built so that when you do a big old swing like you talk about doing, it will lay flat and stay flat. It'll follow the it'll and follow the path rather than interfere with the and path. Not only that, I mean like depending on and of course, if you have weaves in your group <laughs> oh my and God. they decide to start swinging their katanas and hit each other with the flat side of it. Yeah, that's that um Katanas aren't that sturdy. I work in metalworking, and I have for the last, you know, 15 years, and I kind of understand, you know, that if you hit certain metals or metals that are worked in certain fashions from certain angles, bad shit happens. Like the shit about how, uh, what's-his-name couldn't be using a backwards blade. It doesn't work like that. No, it doesn't. But besides that, it's a fact of, you know, 
those weapons are mainly meant to do crowd control. They're peasants, you know, peasant slaughter devices. They're not meant for honorable combat like everyone thinks. Although right now it would be hilarious is if you had two people PvPing uh, in like a D20 modern game and they decide, oh yeah, well we're just going to use blunted weapons or, you know, non-lethal methods. You'd be like, all right, well you shoot him, roll damage. He's like, but I'm using a taser. No, you're not. Ah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Because the GM can be a douchebag during PvP. Yeah, and it could be a thing of, and then I do my super awesome mega attack blow, but non-lethal damage. I'm like, you're hitting him with darts. You can't throw them backwards and have them not hit with the pointy end. Pointy end will always go first. So guess what? You're doing actual full damage. Oh, wait, and those are all poisoned, right? You specifically said you keep them in a bag that poisons them as you draw them out? Yeah, roll for that. And, you know, like Goblin has said, as the GM, it's your job to step in before this happens. It's your job to... Or to step in the moment you see it happening. The moment you see it happening is try and channel it into something productive to the campaign. You know, the Legolas and Gimli is a friendly rivalry. They start out pretty well antagonistic to each other. And as the story goes, they just sort of evolve it into a more healthy rivalry. Yeah, encouraging a healthy Unless rivalry. you're one of those weebs online who are like, oh, they were totally in love. Now quit shipping people, for the fuck's sake. Yeah. Shipping I, is I its own topic. Just keep it out but of this. But still. For uh, I, I think somebody should tell Legolas the Shota quota has been reached. It is Gimli height. <clears throat> okay? It, 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 the quota's been reached. No dwarves, all right? No I, halflings but, either. No halflings. But still, with PvP, it is a thing of you got to keep on top of them. If you're playing in a game and you see that, you can step up as well and try and play your mediator skills. You have high charisma, step in and totally try and, using the rules, you know, molest those rules a little to convince them hey. they shouldn't be fighting. Hey, <laughs> Hey. Okay, yes, it is true. I am a rules molester, but you don't molest rules for good. You molest them for evil. Hey, I pickpocketed someone for good. You can pickpocket people for good, but when I get Uncle Touchy Bad Touch with the rule book, I am not doing it with the best of intentions in mind, and never have I been. And even the dirt launcher doesn't count in this situation, because that was just me fucking around. Ah, uh, come on. You can Father McFeely the rules for good. As a GM, you are the rules. So if somebody starts to try to PvP at my table and I need to step in, I am not going to molest myself for their benefit. I'm molesting myself to keep the game on track. Yeah, but I'm saying as a player. And this conversation has gone completely sideways. <laughs> oh, yeah. I apologize to our listeners. We're not even halfway there yet. We're no, actually, already having I, a... I don't even apologize my listeners. Yes, I, I molest myself at the game table. Okay, I admit <laughs> it. I have an addiction. Now, like... It is not a problem. I can stop anytime I want to. <laughs> carrying on. Blasphemous does bring up a very good point, though. If you do have players at your table who are the natural charismatics and are team-oriented, you as a GM can go, Hey, you see these two looking like they're about to come to blows. What do? And try and kick the ball into player court to bring a little bit of player interaction. It creates its own RP moment for the group to try and solve this. I, I it figure can it's, be done. I, yeah. It's just 
you have to be very confident in your in your party's ability to sit and debate with each other, or you have to. I'd say you have to have a, a couple of, you know, throw in edge words to try and guide it during this discussion. I, I think that during PvP, uh, typically, typically, uh, the first signs I see of PvP trying to break out between player characters, I would stage the uh, very, very, very super low-key intervention that, hey, something is going on over here, those mountains look quest-worthy, and try to distract them towards something else. If that doesn't work, then I would be like, doing the next step for a D&D uh, or gaming uh, anything really uh, is grab the person that seems to be the biggest instigator and take them off to the side away from game away from everybody else and be like look you know I'm trying to run a story here I understand you want more action and adventure and excitement out of it let's try to find a mutually equitable agreement here and try to uh, negotiate with both of them and stage three is to just flat out call them out in front of everybody you know, if I can't distract them with adventure and I can't mediate with them behind the scenes, at least at the game table, when I'm like, oh, these two fucktards want to kill each other, go ahead. Whoever's character dies, you're both out of my fucking game. Yeah. Yeah, you know? that's... The banhammer is the final solution. The, the banhammer, you know, the, the final solution, if you want to call it that. I'm surprised Canadian would use that, but hey, Toronto. They're really close Sabaton. to... Sabaton! Come on, dude. But, I listen to Sabaton. They've got shit It doesn't us. matter if you listen to the reference of that song is the final solution. I know! I'm aware of this. I do not care. Just because I listen to Kiari Pamu Pamu does not make me Japanese. Okay? <laughs> and she is super adorable. But it still doesn't mean we're going to get together. It means jack shit. Now, if I want to be clever, though, with... <laughs> Kiari. Um, if I want to be clever, though, with people and I'm trying to come up with a creative solution, it does depend situationally. Like uh, I mentioned earlier, the Gimli Legolas thing, I would try to foster a relationship between the players that's still competitive, where they can still compete, basically fight each other through alternative means... Right. It's it's competition that's not going to involve one of them dead. Exactly. At the same time, though, it is very situationally important. I mean, like, what if one person's a power gamer and the other one's more of a thespian or is a drama queen? Yeah, if you've got the attention whore and the combat whore. You know, both of them want to do something very specific when they sit down at the table and one's getting more than the other, so they start a... Basically, bickering. yeah, bickering at the table. So you can have it to where, like in my party, I hate to keep going back to this, but the rest of the party approach me and ask that person to be removed without having to move to stage two. Yes, and again, this is a situational thing. It's like, if your entire group is feeling that it's a disruption, yeah, there's, like, it's time for direct intervention. You can You can skip the first step of, you know... Those mountains look quest-worthy. Like, if they're telling you this is disrupting, you need to be ready as a GM to step in and at least try to negotiate with them. Or if your players are as spoken out as they are, that's, you know, offer them the out and never return. A polite banhammer. A polite banhammer. Yeah, it's uh, different because I mean, you guys haven't seen me do it, but there's times where I've sat at the table and said, "Like, dude, you're out." <laughs> Everybody here agrees you're a douche waffle. Fucking get in your canoe, paddle on out. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. Fuck off, or just piss them off to the point where they get up and leave on their own and bitch about me behind my back at a local game store. But whatever. 
I mean, there's only so much you can do about that at that point, but if you're deliberately pissing them off, you kind of have to expect it at the I expect least. it, but at least, you know, when they walk out, they think it was their idea. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that, that is master level DMing, because it's their idea, but it's your cause. Yeah, I, I cause it, but they're like, well, then I'm just going to fucking leave, and it's like, oh, well, shit, sorry Say to see you go, vie. dude. Say la vie. They think it's their idea, they leave and they bitch about me, but in the end, they were like, yeah, and I chose to leave the group. Don't this what they'll tell other people. It wasn't, I was kicked out, it was like, I left. You know? Which, in its own right, sort of saves face. It's like, that group wasn't for me. Okay, well, then maybe they're for someone else. Well, it's easier to convince people of something if they think it's their idea. Yeah. You know, COVID. <clears throat> um... <laughs> So tell us how you really feel. I will not do that. We're yeah, on a not gaming on podcast, not a political podcast. And we're not even at the thirty minute. Shut up! <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> well, if we're gonna like, if you keep counting the time, fine. Do you have a, a secondary topic? Well, no. It's huh? it's that we keep digressing into that way, and we're like still hurting because so it's the... a PvP episode. All three of us have microphones, and we're PvPing over airtime. True, and I mean. There, there is ways where you can let people do it, though. Like, you can have one of those giant multi, you know, what are they, battle royales? Or you could just separate the group. That, too. In-game, find an in-game reason, like, say, uh, canned monster number 42 has gotten a tr- pact with evil necromancer number 5. They're going to be attacking uh, the... Random village of Hobo Stan uh, in a fortnight, but they need the group to break up into two separate teams to muster the defense. Your group has to go into the mountains and get the dwarves of fucking drunk bearded bastards to come down to help the village while your group has to fortify the city's position. So you separate. So, yeah, against the elves, of course, because fuck. (laughs) Fuck knife ears. Anyway. You get this. You get the party split, but you're doing it intentionally as a GM. And of course, we all know don't split the party. But if the GM is splitting the party, it's it, a bit of a different story, right? But, if the players decide to split the party, you get you run into things because the encounters are balanced for the entire party. But if the GM does it, that no longer applies. Or you can always fall back onto the whole thing of well, random roll table for random encounters. You all pissed off the dice legitimately just let them hit that 20 if it happens and something pops up that's outside of their level i'm sorry the world ain't at your level bro you're fighting a tarasque right now that's strange because my random roll table just seems to be nothing but flaming cows falling from the sky (laughs) that too that too (laughs) yeah there's plenty of options sriracha Uh, milk I'm just saying, though, like, uh, if I split the part exactly, Sriracha Mayo, good stuff, why do you have that by your desk? Because I was eating a sandwich. Okay, anyway, if I separate the party and I say T1 goes and deals with the knob slobbers and the other ones are going with, you know, the anal ticklers to deal with the problem at the goddamn town that's being attacked by goddamn knife ears, I have gone out of my way to separate the two people who are trying to fight physically from each other in-game and at the same time, I have still left a common goal. Right. If, hey, those are, those mountains look quest-worthy, and there's things to do over here, no, and now you're both... Yeah, not only that, but I have now set them in a competitive fashion against each other while still working together. 
Because if the team that goes to uh, handle these slobber knob gnomes or dwarves or whatever the fuck they are, the stumpties, if they fail, then the other team fails. So they don't want that. And of course, they're going to want to do a better job than the other one. So that the guy rallying the town and making sure the defenses are bolstered is going to put his all into it to show that he's still better than the other guy he's P trying to PvP. So I, I would go that route just to try to foster some sort of uh, competition between the two of them. They still have a goal that they both, if they both win, they both fucking win hard. If one fails, they both fail. Yeah, it's that's a really clever one. That's so a good I've, one. I've got a good one here. Ooh. So you got a PvP situation breaking out. Okay, PvP and it's is from breaking the out. party, or it's from members of the party who have been previously dating. They have broken Ooh. up, and now this is fostering a problem. Do you allow them to PvP, let one of them die, and leave the group, or you just let them sit and fester, or tell them both to get the fuck out? I, I would tell them to grow the fuck up. Yeah. They're both adults. They both agreed to be at the same game. They both agreed to start dating each other. If one doesn't bow out, or both of them bow out, when they break up, I understand as a GM and as a living creature that when people break up, they tend to hate the shit out of each other. And to force them into the same room and play characters, they are agreeing as fucking adults, I would hope, or formerly mm -hmm. fucking adults, I would hope that they would have the maturity that if they both agree to be there, they agree to let their personal emotions sit on the sidelines and they can hash that shit out outside of my living room. Yeah, but it, if it they, definitely is a problem. Yeah, if they break up and they start trying to PvP in-game, that's because they have issues dealing with their breakup. They're trying to take out on each other in-game. And I'm sorry, I could have two to five other people sitting at my fucking game table, and if these two people want to fucking hash it out uh, PvP style after breaking up, they're ruining the time for everybody else there. They're wasting yeah. everybody else's time and my time. They can fuck off, eat a goddamn donut, and die. Yeah, Not even yeah. a good donut. The cheap ones. Cheap donut. <laughs> you thought it was filled with cream? No. I injected it with toothpaste. And mayo. And mayo. <laughs> and it's got citrus on the outside. Ugh, citrus flakes on a donut? Ugh. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I can see where you're going with this. And... Where it's, it's another one of those things where you don't immediately know the reason until you know the reason. Well, if there are people trying to instigate PvP. If it's in-game... I'm more likely to be like, all right, look, this isn't funny, stop it. But if it's out-of-game shit, I'm more likely to ask people to get the fuck out. Sometimes people do try to PvP because they think it's funny. And, yeah. you know, just, all right, here's your five minutes, fucking do it. We've got stuff to do, there's other people at the table, so you guys just beat the shit out of each other real quick. But if you think it's funny, fine. Be my guest. Have a little humor, have a little entertainment, you know? You can't, as a GM, railroad your characters and players and all that constantly. That's understood. People need a break and some levity. Right. So if people think it's funny that they just, you know, have a slap match, good. But leave it at that. And, like, the other thing, like, trying to channel it into a constructive thing is a very fine edge to walk. Because, yeah. like the example... A breakup happens outside of game, and these two players doesn't are, even have to be romantic. It could be two buddies who just had a fault, major yeah, falling out. They, yep. they they played Monopoly or something and just had it out. And at that point, as a GM, if you're trying to keep, if you are trying to keep these players, and they are 
at least marginally mature enough to try and not outright kill each other at the table, then you might be able to twist it so that they're doing, again, healthy competition in character instead of... If, if it's two buddies who have had a major falling out, chances are one, if not both of them, will be leaving your game group soon. So at that point, the best you're doing is damage control. Yeah, you're trying to, to lower the, the impact zone. You're just trying to lower the impact zone, and at least they're both being polite enough to give you some time to realize that, hey, I might be running this game for two less people here soon. I better adjust my future storyline shit. Uh, yeah, if buddies have a falling out, or there's a romantic falling out, or anything of that nature, it's going to be People rough. People are on either sides of the Super Bowl, and they can't reconcile. Political differences, which we've all seen in the past couple Political of differences have broke so many D&D groups in the last four years, it is gross. And put together way too many radioactive ones. Uh, yep. Way too many radioactive ones. Oh, yeah. And there was oh, a radioactive yeah. one actually here last weekend. Really? <laughs> um, Nej and myself were out front uh, partaking in our nicotine libations. Mm-hmm. Uh, while you were getting your photographs and stuff, and there was uh, a pair that walked up behind us, and uh, I'm I'm just going to leave it at that. Both of them had the uh, glasses, the yeah. blue hair, and said, hey, do you guys play D&D? And I'm just like, I look over and I see the fish mouth, and I'm like, I have seen all the warning signs I need. You you realize their radioactivity. I, I was like, was going I was, yeah, my Geiger counter was like, whoa, holy shit, did Hanford just walk up? <laughs> Whoa. Okay, for those outside the state of Washington, that is a reference to a local facility here that has had radioactive issues uh, of real radioactive isotopes. Um, yeah. So, uh, outside, you know, for more global news, I'd be like, Whoa, Fukushima and her little sister walked up. Yep, yep. Uh, yeah, Tunguska. So, Tunguska, exactly. Yeah. So, we had a little radioactive encounter, me and Nash, and I just looked back and I'm like, yeah, I'm not talking about D&D with these people, because if I say anything, next thing I know, I will probably be hauled away by BLM and beaten in a dark corner. Because, apparently, I don't like L's, and that's racist. Problematic. It's problematic. You try being a goblin. Huh. Yeah. L's. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's sort of an interesting thing, is... You're right. PvP breaks out, you're doing damage control or redirecting. And that's about all you can do and keep it in the story world. It, it is. It's pretty much damage control. Uh, the, a few times, like uh, the example I use is, you know, oh, ha, ha, funny. You know, Blasphemous brought that up too. Ha, ha, funny. We're, we're just going to duke it out for the shits and giggles of it. That is like the most rare form of PvP I've ever seen at my table. Yeah, yeah it's, it's something to cherish because you've got people who are overly serious about it. And then there's times where, you know, you can't do shit. I think the absolute worst gaming session I've ever run, yes, I will admit this, live and on air, the worst game Goblin has ever run. Dun, dun, dun. It started out as your typical medieval uh, fantasy game. Everybody's in a tavern. They're having drinks. They're... Doing tavern stuff. You got your rogue, the wizard, the fighter, the blah, 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 blah. We had spent like four goddamn hours making characters. 
I, that was just so basic. this is session zero and session one all wrapped in. Yes, yeah, so okay. I'm standing there and I've got the book in my hands. We've just finished characters, people are ready to go, and next thing I know, and this is actually one of the rules that I've had in my games that you guys have had me go adamantly, no, no, you can't do that at my table because I've had it happen. Hello, nice tits. Anyway, <laughs> um, somebody's playing on the computer, and I'm trying to find relevant memes. Yeah, you're trying to find relevant memes to an audio podcast. It's good. Uh, for those who can uh, see what's going on right now, Kazarkan is, or not Kazarkan, Blasphemous is looking up memes to show our audience. Which, well, no, it's, uh, it's more to try and keep the conversation going, trying oh, to find yeah, something relevant yeah. to put up. Absolutely. Anyway, the worst game I ever run, everybody gets is either high, doped up, or piss-ass drunk. And I'm pretty confident in my abilities. I'm like, sure, yeah, I can, I can, I can corral this herd of cats. All I need to do is shake the bag of cat food. They'll come running. Next thing I know, there's a rogue in the rafters trying to backstab the wizard who's sitting over by the fire. Mathematically, I'm not a genius, but that's more than 20 feet away, which is about 17 feet further than the rogue can actually stab on a horizontal plane, but he's up in the rafters. So um, now it's, it's even urgent. So now, now it's at like a 30-degree angle. Maybe 35. And next thing I know, the Minotaur has decided to piss all over the fighter and hit him with the table, and the entire game broke out into PvP. This is a hopeless no-win situation where all I can do as the Game Master is sit there with my book and going, yeah, roll a die, it happens. That's all you can do at that point. Yeah, that's 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 critical mass. That, that, that was critical mass. The radioactivity could have killed a lesser man. Oh, the radioactivity almost did kill me, dude. I was, I almost gave up GMing after that game. But then, you know, I thought about it. I was like, everybody was super fucked up. Mm. There was nothing I could do about it. Eat a dick. <laughs> balls in there, Court, not mine. I, I went balls deep into that game, and I came out with itchy, scratchy, and it felt like I was pissing thistles, but it was my fault because I'm the one who plunged in. I mean, best of intentions, right? Right. We all know how that saying ends. The road to gaming hell. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so if you ever have a game that just breaks out where all the players decide to start beating the shit out of each other and they're laughing and having a good time, roll with it. So all you can do is just roll with it. It may not be fun for the GM in any way, shape, or form, but at least the players are having a great time. Right, and like at that point, once you hit that critical mass where everyone's in on it and everyone's just, you know, giggle fucking around, sure, fine, whatever. Just, just smile and nod, have, let them have fun with it. Right. Your, your job as a GM is not to entertain yourself solely, so, you know, lesson exactly. learned. Right? And, you know, the other thing is, like, the moral quandaries. Moral quandaries can also get touchy and can lead to PvP. The example, uh, Goblin gave me one back at the LGS when we were still gaming there. I just think that was so funny, though. It was the like evil good. characters were going for the morally good choice. Right? And it was great. But it was basically the idea that, you know, the goblin village that you're raiding, as you get, as you, at the entrance, you're dealing with like the strongest, and then it just slow, slowly gets down into the elderly, the weak, It was the an or, Yeah, it was infirm. an orc village, by the way. I wouldn't send you against goblins. Valid. Fair. It's, it was a while back, and it, you know, at the end of it, it turned into a two-hour dialogue. 
I'm not sure if I'm going to call it a discussion or an argument, but it was a dialogue. It was fun because I looked at there sometimes. Discussion. <laughs> hey, there was some heated um, there was faces some. in there. Yeah. Oh yeah. It, it, it was, sort of turned basically debating uh, nature versus terminism. nurture. Yeah, it was nature versus nurture. That's what the whole debate was about. So uh, to set it up, yes, the I gave Kazarkan the idea, and his players walked right into it. The battlements on the outside have the strongest enemies, so it was a total role reversal on you fighting the weakest first. Mm -hmm. So as you work your way into the fort, the fights get easier and easier and easier to the point where basically it's... Pushover. Pushover. You're you're firing a a water hose at tissue paper kind of stuff, and then you get to the center of it, and basically what you find out is that the uh, group that you're fighting, the orcs in this case, are wintering and protecting themselves... Because the orcs are basically homeless and traveling to a new place to settle down. But since winter came, they're not making their destination in time. So they have to hold there and winter. And so they had to set up a a makeshift uh, nursery in the interim because they don't have a proper place for the children. And so basically the player characters come in and they just wipe out genocide and tribe of orcs. But then the question comes when you get to the actual nursery itself. Because now you are left with the choice of undefended innocent children and you have just murdered everyone that can take care of them yep and his group it was awesome because like the paladin's like we should just drop them off at a church on the floor who cares if they die of starvation or if somebody finds them god wills it and the assassin's like people don't just grow up evil they make choices (laughs) (laughs) it was this it was a glorious like easy three hours of just Light the match and watch the fuse. Yeah, and his group was practically on the edge of PvPing. It was excellent. It truly was. Well, I mean, it's it's just one of those things of like you have these people who bring in their own ideas of what the game is supposed to be, and then when you pose a moral quandary like that to them, they don't know what to do. And like, the great part about this was, you know, thankfully no no blood was shed. And they really didn't reach a resolution, so it just kind of dropped there. But three hours of GMing for, you know, light the match and throw the fire? Basically, yeah. And he walks up, He like, I'm working at the counter, you know, and I'm just, like, standing there watching everybody else play Magic or, you know, just do whatever in the game store. And he just walks up to me while I'm standing behind the till, and he's like, I need an idea. I need some filler because they're almost done with the adventure. And I'm like, well, here's an idea. <laughs> they gave him three hours of filler. <laughs> There's the match. I was like, here you go, man. The, the whole exploring part should take all about 30 minutes or so. I did not expect to be like walking in there later on and feel like the room is radiating with heat. As like the radioactivity. Oh, there was a lot of radioactivity. I walk in and like literally the room was full. Uh, like the air, you felt it was... There was w- tension. It tension. Was palpable. It was... And yeah, kind of glorious. And two evil players or two evil characters are sitting on one side of the table and two good characters are sitting on the other side. And Kaz explains to me, he's like, the good guys want to murder the babies. <laughs> and I'm like, what about the evil people? He's like, they want to rescue them. And I'm like, this is awesome. This is better than I could hope for. Well, that, that's really the thing of it is, you know, you have like Glorian from a certain show we're not going to name by name. Mm, yes. Yeah, you know, kill them with honor. Did you really need to kill all those uh, lame orcs? Well, yes. It, honor lame, yes. Right? It was very brave of me to do so. And you have people like that, and that is a majority of the people. I'm the good guy. I will slaughter millions. 
reasons. Right? And this, you know, it does bring up a really good thing, is, like, if you can... If you have a, a group that's competent in that debate, this is where I brought up that let the let the player know so that they can intercede, right? If you've got a group that's capable of that sort of debate, you can just sort of, hey, here's the fire match. You need to probably do something about this. And then hands off. And if you're, if they're competent, if you're, if your diplomancer is competent, they'll be able to find some at least non-violent or non, you know, permanently destructive method of solving it. So what you're saying is it's a fire drill with a real fire? On a side note, however, uh, dealing with PvP in a clever fashion, there is another failure that I had that I learned from. And of course, that's jamming 101. Every game session is a fucking lesson in some way, shape, or form. Right? And like cooking, you will never stop learning. I, I sh it's one of those times where I should have fudged the rules, but as you guys know, and, and many of our listeners, I'm the kind of guy that lets the dice fall where they may. So if it rolls a seven and that's a failure, I'm just going to straight up tell you it's a failure, even though I personally am hoping it's a win, or vice versa. And I had one where I had set up everybody in like this weird case, because they were going planar, and Hell decided to put one of the players on trial for bullshit charges. Because the demons As were, they do. As they do. Well, they were trying to hold the mortals there for longer than they needed to be so the mortals couldn't leave. You know, trying to... Trying to trick them. Basically, they were using the flypaper technique, so they decided to have a, a mock trial so the mortals would be so busy paying attention to the trial of one of their own people, they wouldn't leave hell in time to be able to actually escape. Or to accomplish their goal, whichever yeah. it might have been. Well, this this was more the demons were trying to ensnare them. And so they hold a mock trial, and I set up everything with random rolls first. Except for, you know, the mock... Uh, except for the dialogue options. Except for the, the dialogue players. options and stuff. But who was going to be put on trial, who the prosecutor was, all this stuff was, you know, um, just random rolls. And so it starts off, and I random roll, you know, what role people are going to be in the party as according to the way the demons are running things, because they're not exactly planning shit out. They're demons. They're just making shit up and hoping the mortals fall for it. Wing it. They're winging it. Unfortunately, the prosecutor was the husband in the group, and Ooh. the defendant was his wife. It's... I should have fudged the rules on that one. I didn't. That was, yeah, I was a dumbass. Yeah, like the moment the moment you saw that, you're like, mm, changing this number. I had a little bit of a bad I, a feeling about it, but it was like, ah, oh, they're both mature adults. They should be able to handle this. They know it's in game. That's where you messed up. That's where I messed up. <laughs> I honestly should have chose somebody else to be the defendant or someone else to be the prosecutor. Well, I mean, no. if you rolled one, then the other, it's like, okay, well, this guy's already set, and this number means not that person anymore. Exactly. Um, so when you're trying to come up with a clever idea to engage the group with PvP, because sometimes, you know, it is a tool of GM to inspire PvP at times. Uh, here's a court case. Here's a scenario. We're going to put, like, a small little bit of PvP action in here, you know, so the players can beat the crap out of each other a little bit, even though it's not... Real PvP is just with words. Sometimes it's enough. Sometimes it's enough, and this time it was too much. So, 
Uh, when you're a GM and you're trying to invoke PvP instead of dissuade PvP, I'm just saying... Fine line. If you have a bad feeling about a choice you're making... Change it. Fucking change the rules. Yeah. Change your so, choice. Real quick, speaking of changing, let's change the, our scenario. Let's go hyper space fantasy sci-fi shit, right? Okay. Alright. So Elements. here's a place where you possibly can do... Uh, PvP, because I was just thinking about The Foundation. It's a book series I'm getting into. Y'all heard me talk about it weeks ago. They have personal energy shields that can take up to a certain amount of energy and then their little battery thing dies. Right. So you could actually legit have a PvP in that kind of scenario with laser guns or laser swords and have that go on for a short period of time. But the problem then is they'll feel like they can get away with doing that all the time. There's that, and the other part is most people, like, fuck at my table anyway, I don't know about your guys' tables. When PvP starts at my table, typically they're looking at their character sheet and what they have is what they have, and if you give anything to one or both of the players, well, they get kind of pissy. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, they're, they're basically, again, we're, we're comparing dick sizes. Yep. You know, so when two people are talking about PvPing each other, they're usually staring at their character sheets thinking about what on their character sheet will help them fuck over the other person. And to say, okay, well, you guys can PvP, here's some energy shields. I think they'll feel like they're being cheated. Mm. Uh, I, I, it, I think it depends on how you spin it. Mm. If you can spin it in a way, you know, well, we got a training ground right over here, you just have to use the same, you know, you have to use the use training, the training equipment. You have to use the training equipment instead of, you know, lethal stuff, but yeah. Oh, so you spin it so basically your players, when you're looking at them, you realize as the GM, you're like, yes, this is not just undocumented minors. This is actually kids in cages. Yeah. But you have to tell them undocumented minors to, to soften the blow. Yeah, it's like a lot of GMing is spin doctoring. And if you can master that, or if you can sort of tweak their intention just a little bit. It's like, yeah, you can use the training facility, you just have to use the training gear. Okay, okay, okay. Here's a revolutionary idea. Alright. Alright, hit us with what it. What if I'm running a game, you guys are there, and two of my players decide that, hey, they're not having fun, or whatever reason, they want to start PvPing. What if I give them both a wiffle ball bat and let them settle their differences right there in the living room? I'm like, if you guys really want to PvP, here's some weapons that won't cause permanent physical harm. Go. Sock and boppers. No, wiffle ball bats hurt like a motherfucker if you hit the same spot over and over, even with the tip of the bat. Mm. Oh my god. And if you hit somebody too hard, you break your bat, which gives your opponent the advantage. So if they give in the anger, they'll fuck up and then get, you know, wiffled. Or whatever the fucking word is. Mm -hmm. But what if I hand somebody some weapons that are non-lethal? You hand them a pair of pillows and tell them to just fucking have it out. You know, just, yeah, just, hey, there's I mean, the backyard. You know, just have it out. If you guys want to fight that badly, do it. Then uh, you're, I mean, I would say sure, because it's pretty much the same as when you're like, all right, look, the two of you just fucking get it over with, right? Yeah. You got people who have such a fucking hard-on for each other for hate or whatever reason tell me you know what? There, there's a fucking guest room go and just get it over with yeah just here's some condoms guys go yeah i think as a player i would look at that and be like i'm glad i don't have to deal with that in game carry on all right 
or you know even in character if somehow the GM has encouraged a in character PvP in a way that's clever or something you got the rest of the party standing there and watching it's like well PvP also yeah there there's that like you just said the rest of the party is there watching because PvP becomes all about me and you get two people who are talking about doing PvP, they forget about the rest of the group, they forget about the Game Master, they forget about everything except for what's on their character sheet and the asshole sitting across from them. Yeah. It, it, you know, it all becomes about them. And then when they start do, wanting to get into an actual PvP fight, everybody else gets sidelined. So at that point, I mean, revolutionary idea. If they want it to be all about them, I could just hand them something to hit the other person with, Maybe give them condoms for the makeup sex afterwards and be like, all right, you guys want a PvP? Leave the room. Beat the crap out of each other. Come back. I'm going to run game with the people who are actually interested in the adventure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just saying. It might be a revolutionary idea to, you know, counter the narrative. And when two people want a PvP, instead of sidelining it or trying to curb it or come up with a clever solution, just or be just like. Or just straight booting them. Or, or just straight booting them. Just be like, all right, here's a condom. Fuck each other. Yeah. Go. Get it over with. Get it over with. Get it out of your system. And, like, each of these has their time and their place, I think. It's like, it's learning to recognize which to use when. True. True. Because, like, oh, I think my character's better than yours. Oh, really? Well, why don't you prove it by a kill count? Easy direct. And now and now that they're in a healthier rivalry, they channel it towards common goals or furthering the story instead of each other. Oh, okay, so if I got two people doing that and I want to encourage them to do something more uh, constructive, I can say, okay, well, here's two jars, here's two little My Pony dolls, whichever jar fills it faster is the winner. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, no. I just killed the podcast. <laughs> oh, no, no. We Cursed still... my little pony doll. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things where like PvP is both something you either have to let happen or stop it ahead of time, anyways. Or really, you just gotta start to curate your party more. I mean, that that's the ultimate advice I can say is try and find people who are wanting to move past that. Well, this is why I'm, I'm like one of the most picky fucking GMs you guys know about. I like a hand select everybody who sits at my table. Mm-hmm. Good reason. And for good reason, and the only reason we had somebody who would PvP and kill off Kazakhan's character is because I promised him a game like a decade ago. Yeah. I made good on my promise. That's the only reason he was in that group. Otherwise, I'd have been like, oh, I'm sorry, we're, we got four, we're full up. But yeah. I made a promise. Even though it's a decade old, I'm like, fuck, you know, I'm, I'm going to... Time to honor it. Time to honor it. And, like, you know... As a personal note, I'm I'm just amused by that whole situation because it was the character's actions, not the player's malevolence. Mm -hmm. Which is an important distinction to keep in mind. True that, true that. So I think we're getting near the end of this. Yeah, we are, we are. Uh, we finally made it over the halfway point, <laughs> and we're actually able to stimulate conversation. Ooh, stimulating. But, uh, it, it is just a, a thing of... Yeah. My final thought is you got to know what you're getting into as a GM or a player. And if you find yourself in a group who all want to just PvP all the time, the, the GM encourages it. Just say, all right, guys, peace. I'm out of this one. I'm, I'm not feeling it later. And hopefully you don't lose friendships. But if you lose a friendship over not wanting to be in a PvP party, 
maybe you're better off. Yeah. I'd, 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 I'd kind of agree with that. I mean, if people want to do a PvP only, there's entire MMOs for that. Yeah, and if they literally come back at you all get good scrub, well, you know what? Sometimes you just got to walk away from them a little faster. Yeah. I would just have to say that for my final thoughts, when you're assembling your game group as a game master or joining in a game group as a player, understand what interests the other players at the table because a group full of thespians is fucking awesome on their own. A group full of power gamers is awesome on their own. Sometimes these things don't mix well together. You know, a group full of divas is a complete horror show. <laughs> no uh, good. So I'm just saying that, you know, some You don't people... want a table full of furries and that one guy who, you know, has a good understanding of reality. Yeah, you, having a, three of your players be furries and one guy show up in crusader armor may not be the best thing for your game that evening. I'm just saying... Or, you know, vice versa, whatever. Anyway, I'm just saying some of your people are going to show up and find different things fun, so make your intentions clear as a GM first off. You know, get to know your players, know the other players when you're playing, so at least you can mesh better with your group, because one thing we all hate in MMOs, as you mentioned, MMOs have a lot of PvP, everybody dislikes a pickup group, because you are just getting randomly grouped up with whoever, Happens to be nearby. It happens to be nearby. The same thing happens in real life when you sit down to play a role-playing game with other people. Pickup groups usually tend to not work out very well. So, final thoughts. As a wise man once said, you gotta know when to hold them. Know when to fold them. Know when to walk away. And know when to run. And don't count your money at the table. There's plenty of time for counting. Yeah. When, When the dealing's done. Yep. I'd say that my final thoughts are try to recognize when to use which of these techniques, right? If you can channel it into something constructive, do that first. If you can distract it with, hey, those mountains look quest-worthy, those are good first options as well. Negotiating with the player is a good second option because clearly your first attempt didn't work and now you're trying to get a direct answer. And when it comes time to just let the dice fall where they may, don't be afraid to. Let your players have fun their way if that's what they're after. But don't make others suffer for it. Hey, Blasphemous. Kazarkan. What's the uh, favorite footwear of Optimus Prime? Vans.